0: Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Hey everyone, welcome to The
1: Backstory. Today I wanted to discuss a topic that I've been thinking about recently, something that we learned in medical school through our problem-based learning classes or our patient-doctor relationship class, but perhaps something that we forgot to implement in our daily non-work lives. I want to take you back to 1992. And if you weren't born yet and you're listening to my podcast, I want to thank you. Thank you for your support. You're probably my younger demographic, but I appreciate you tuning in. But in 1992, I was 12 years old. The original Dream Team had just won the Summer Olympics in Barcelona, and a movie came out that summer called White Men Can't Jump. Now, this movie was rated R, and I was 12, so I probably shouldn't have watched it. So if my parents are listening, I apologize to you. But in a scene from the movie, Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez are in bed together and she is studying for Jeopardy if you've seen the movie and he's just lying around and Rosie turns to Woody and says honey I'm thirsty so in that situation how many of us would have just gone up and fixed the problem so he does just that he gets up he walks to the kitchen he fills up a glass of water he comes back lies down in bed and hands the glass of water to her and she did something pretty surprising she takes a glass of water looks at it and then tosses it in his face and he goes what the heck what did i do wrong she says honey i said i was thirsty i didn't want a glass of water i wanted empathy i wanted you to say i too know what it's like to be thirsty And that's what I wanted to talk to us about today. This little scene from a movie 30 plus years ago kind of explains the essence of the difference between sympathy and empathy. Where poor Woody Harrelson, all he wanted to do was solve a problem and all Rosie Perez wanted him to do was sit there, uneasy and uncomfortable. And by doing so, he would be able to show her some empathy. So when we talk about supporting someone or a patient or a friend or a family member, we often use the words sympathy and empathy interchangeably. And therapists have determined that not only do these two words have vastly different meanings, but how we show sympathy and empathy are also quite different. So let's explore some of these differences. Let's discuss what makes empathy a better behavior when it comes to relating to someone especially when they're struggling. In order to do that, let's talk about some definitions. The Merriam-Webster dictionary defines sympathy as the feeling that you care about and are sorry about someone else's trouble, their grief, their misfortune, etc. Certainly there are times when sympathy is an appropriate emotion for a difficult situation. But in essence, sympathy creates separation. Brene Brown, who, if you have not seen her YouTube or her TED talk on vulnerability, I highly recommend it. But Brene Brown describes sympathy as a way to stay out of touch with your own emotions. Sympathy is a way to make our connections transactional. It puts the person struggling in a place of judgment more than in a place of understanding. And as an outsider, a person seeks to make sense of the situation or look at it from their own perspective. So how often do we do that? Just like Woody Harrelson, his wife says, I'm thirsty. And he probably says, I can fix that. I've been thirsty. And in those situations, I would have wanted a glass of water. But that's his own perspective. Sympathy is having thoughts about what someone feels when you're in a conversation. You often give unsolicited advice. You might pass judgment you're understanding the situation from only your own perspective, and really we ignore and suppress how we're feeling, our own emotions. Unlike empathy, practicing sympathy doesn't mean you feel what someone else feels. Instead, you feel pity for them, you kind of feel sorry for them, you feel bad for them, but you don't understand how they feel. The sympathetic approach only provides a surface level understanding of someone else's situation. And this understanding is typically from our own perspective, not theirs. On the other hand, empathy is defined as the feeling that you understand and share another person's experiences and emotions. Or also, you have the ability to share someone else's feelings. It is looking at things from another person's perspective and attempting to understand why they feel what they feel. We had a guest on the podcast a few years ago, Dr. Jonathan Avery, who's now the vice chair of addiction psychiatry here at Walkornell. Cornell. And he said a phrase that I think about constantly. It still rings true in many situations in my own life. And what he said was, meet people where they are. That's gonna be the best way for you to get a connection. And don't get me wrong, I am no expert when it comes to being empathetic. It's not easy. It requires a tremendous amount of work. It requires vulnerability to listen without judgment and see yourself in another person's struggles. Now, whether we're talking about a patient-doctor relationship, or a relationship with your spouse, or a relationship with your kids or family members, empathy isn't about fixing another person, but about listening to another person's pain and struggles and challenges and sharing their difficult thoughts and feelings. Broken down into the simplistic form, empathy is feeling what someone else feels through active listening and not being there with your own judgment. The most important difference between sympathy and empathy is when you're being empathetic, you're discovering someone else's perspective. You're acknowledging their feelings. Empathy is the ability to understand and share a person's feelings. If you're an empathetic person, you can listen to what someone else is saying without judgment. And the ability to connect is not limited by your own experience. An empathetic person can also feel someone else's emotions regardless of their own personal experience. If you want to characterize the main difference between these two, empathy fuels connection and sympathy drives disconnection. The hardest part to remember is that empathy is a choice. In order to connect with someone, you first need to connect with something in your own self that knows that feeling. Rarely does an empathetic person begin with, well, at least, when someone shares something with you and you silver line it, that is typically not an empathetic response, but you might be showing sympathy in that situation. When we want to relate with empathy, we give the other person space to their emotions and their feelings. We reflect on what they're feeling and provide time and energy and space, even for the negative ones. On the other hand, when we relate with sympathy, we move into problem solving. And this is something that I also struggle with, especially as a pain management physician. Most patients come to me with problems and my primary objective is to solve these problems or figure out why this is happening. And again, sometimes this is the appropriate response. I can be sympathetic with my patients and understand how they feel, but at times I can also be empathetic. I don't wanna minimize the patient's problems. I want to fully understand what they're feeling and how they're feeling. But we're all human. We all have ideas and judgments about how the person feels and what they should be doing. But I've learned that this not only minimizes their problems, but it also minimizes their feelings. Sympathy often comes from our own ego. It is what we know we should do, and it is often telling others what they should do and how they should feel. Let's look at a couple of examples, explaining the difference between sympathy and empathy. When I think of empathy, I think of it as finding someone stuck. They're in a dark hole. They're feeling overwhelmed. They might be depressed. And having empathy is climbing down into that hole with them and saying, hey, I'm here now. I know what it's like to be down here. You aren't alone. And sitting with that uncomfortability. On the other hand, the sympathetic response, finding the same person who's stuck or overwhelmed or sad, sitting in that dark space, and you pass them and say, whoa, that kind of sucks. I feel bad for you. So why don't we go distract ourselves? Why don't we do something fun to take your mind off of it? The biggest difference between both of these responses is that with empathy, there was some level of emotion and connection. But with sympathy, you have disconnected yourself from what the person is actually going through. Another example may be you're supporting someone who's grieving and you tell them how sorry you are And it might feel empathetic. After all, you know it must be terrible to lose a family member or to live with loss. And you maybe even take the time to bring them flowers or write them a card. However, this is actually an example of sympathy. And that's why most of these cards are designed for people in grief and they say, Our Sympathies. And you find them in the Sympathy card section. In this example, showing empathy requires a lot more than offering your condolences takes an extra effort to imagine yourself in the grieving person's shoes. What about at work? Imagine your coworker or someone you work with coming up to you and complaining and struggling about catching up, they're feeling overwhelmed with their assignments, their documentation here at the hospital. And admittedly, my instinctive response to when I get asked these questions is to bombard them with my best time-saving techniques. Help them to get everything done, Help them to reprioritize their schedule. But in reality, this is not an empathetic response. Even though I think I'm taking time out of my day, I'm being very selfless in this situation, I'm helping them through their own struggles with my own reaction, I didn't really show true empathy there. Sure, I may have helped them, but I didn't take the time to connect with how they felt. By taking that time, I might have learned that there's more going on than I previously thought. Maybe they're having health issues. Maybe they're having issues at home, which is getting in the way of their focus. By fully listening to what they have to say, I probably could have done a better job to help them feel heard and supported. Speaking of support, what about the example of a friend who comes to you needing some support? Maybe you have that person in your life who struggles with falling asleep at night, who reports feeling tired throughout the day. And you might quickly interrupt them and say, hey, I've also been through that. I know what it's like to fall asleep. And what I do is I take melatonin and it works like magic. Again, you might feel like you're empathizing with them, but instead of focusing on the other person, you have again redirected the conversation to be about you. Empathy in this example requires you to put your own feelings aside and focus on the other person. It's only by active listening can we really find out what the other person is looking for. So how can we become a little bit more empathetic in our personal lives, in our work lives, and overall just living in a better, well-connected world? Well, the first is to listen without judgment. Empathy involves active listening. Listening to understand what the person is trying to say. A person who needs help is at their most vulnerable when they ask for it. So connecting with them by showing how they're feeling and how they're thinking is a vital empathetic skill. The second is listening with intention. And this is something I can certainly improve on in my life. Listening with attention and active listening means that you're giving your full undivided attention to the other person. You are facing them. Your hands are still you're looking them into their eyes, and you don't allow yourself to get distracted by your phone, which is certainly very difficult these days, or by television, or by other people. Oftentimes, in patient encounters, when I have found that the patient is trying to share something with me, I try to pull my attention away from the computer where I'm documenting, and I try to face them and maybe offer some non-physical connection. But again, these are things I can work on, both in my personal life and my work life. The third is listening without advice and listening without judgment. You don't want to take away the person's sharing power by telling them what to do and how to do it. Let them talk, let them come to their own conclusions. And if they ask for advice, ask them back, what do you think you should do first? This reminds the person that they are not hopeless and they can often find their own solutions. This is a great strategy often used by people with leadership positions. The last tip, and probably the hardest, is to listen with vulnerability and listen with understanding. It's important to foster trust by accepting the person's feelings. Let them work through their own feelings on their own, in their own way. And if you have a similar experience, consider sharing that experience with them. Share your feelings about your experience and how it made you feel so that person doesn't feel alone. In the end, I know I can do a better job showing more empathy, both in my work and personal life. There are probably some situations where I thought I was being empathetic and perhaps I was just exhibiting sympathy. This gives me an opportunity to make deeper connections with those around me. But by improving on our own empathetic skills, by being able to listen to other people's pain and struggles, I think we can slowly start to rebuild the connections that we have lost and probably make our current connections even stronger. So continue to be supportive, continue to understand and show compassion. These are the building blocks for fostering a more integrated and connected world that we live in. Until next time, thank you for tuning into The Backstory.
0: and We've got your back. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe rate the podcast and review the backstory on Apple podcast, Spotify, and Google play music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D dot com.